Welcome to the Heal Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leona Allen, and I'm here to help you achieve more freedom in your health and your life. I'm the founder of Freedom Health Systems, and I've been a licensed chiropractor and wellness coach for over two decades. I've helped men, women, and children transform their lives by removing the physical, chemical, and emotional barriers to natural healing. Every week, I'll be taking you on a journey, a journey where you would discover the real truth behind what it takes to heal your mind, body, and soul. Allow me to be your guide as you travel this road to renewed health and a new life. It's time to make a deal with yourself to heal yourself. Please keep in mind that this podcast is for educational purposes only and not to be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. With that said, let's begin. The Journey to Healing Food Shopping Guide is your resource to making healthier food choices next time you go to the grocery store. Grab your copy today at HealthyShoppingHabits.com. Healing starts in the kitchen. Begin your journey to healing today. Go to HealthyShoppingHabits.com. Once again, that's HealthyShoppingHabits.com. In episode 10, I covered how caloric restriction is not the solution for long-term healthy weight loss because it decreases your metabolism and converts your body to fat storing mode. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to check it out as I went into full detail about why restricting calories doesn't work effectively for weight loss. Today's episode will be about insulin, its contribution to weight gain, and how to manage it. And I'm very excited to share this topic because it played a huge part in how I personally lost 70 pounds of fat about 10 years ago And I also managed to keep it off by applying these strategies I'm about to share with you today. So let's dive in. Last week, I covered how our bodies need to burn fat, not calories, in order to lose weight. If you have experienced the extreme disappointment you felt after following a low-calorie diet, you are not alone. And I've been there myself. It doesn't work. With calorie reduction, you are depriving your body of energy your body needs to survive. Fat is a form of stored energy. So to protect you, the body adapts to this deprivation by storing fat, not burning fat. Healthy weight loss is a result of your body burning fat for energy. And this happens at the hormonal level. Hormones are chemical messengers that regulate numerous biological functions. To deliver a message, hormones must attach to the target cell by binding to the receptors, which are attached to the cellular membrane. For example, hormones play a role in when and how you eat. Peptide YY controls your appetite. Ghrelin tells your body when it's hungry. And leptin tells your body when it's full. Insulin regulates energy metabolism by controlling blood sugar levels in your body. This is what happens when we eat. Food is broken down by the digestive system into usable components. All foods such as proteins, fats, and carbohydrates will eventually be converted into glucose. Certain foods raise blood sugar more than others. Refined carbohydrates such as white flour and white sugar raise blood glucose more than fats and proteins. 
This rise in blood sugar stimulates the production of insulin, which is a protein hormone secreted by pancreatic beta cells. The hormone insulin binds to the insulin receptor to bring glucose into the cell. Insulin is like the key and the insulin receptor is like the lock. And the key unlocks the gate so that the glucose can enter the cell. The uptake of glucose into the cell is then used for energy, which is utilized in all cells of the body. Excess glucose is turned into glycogen in the liver. This process is called glycogenesis. This is how glucose is stored for later use. The liver only has limited space for glycogen. So when the liver becomes full, excess glucose is turned into fat. And this process is called lipogenesis. Several hours after a meal, as blood sugars and insulin levels start to drop, the liver starts to reverse glycogen storage by breaking down the stored glycogen into glucose to release into the bloodstream for energy. So in the short term, such as while you're sleeping, the body produces energy from its glycogen stores. During a prolonged fast, your body can make glucose from its fat stores. Fat is burned for energy. This process is called gluconeogenesis. Now, I know that was a mouthful, so feel free to rewind that back a couple times to make sure you understand it. But it's a process of how your body regulates its energy. So the processes I just mentioned, glycogenesis, lipogenesis, and gluconeogenesis, these are all normal metabolic responses of the body. And it's the insulin that keeps your blood sugars from going above 100 milligrams per deciliter. Now, let me take a moment to explain what that means in case you have no idea what 100 milligrams per deciliter actually looks like. 100 milligrams per deciliter converts to eight thousandths of a pound per gallon. So that's 0.008 pounds per gallon. This is approximately three quarters of a teaspoon per gallon. That's less than one full teaspoon of glucose per gallon. Now, if the average adult weighing about 180 pounds has one and a half gallons of blood in their body, normal blood sugar should be at about one teaspoon per one and a half gallons. And do you know what the average sugar consumption per day in this country is? 30 teaspoons. And that's about 120 pounds per year that one body has to process. That is very excessive. And when the body has to deal with that much glucose, the cells eventually become unresponsive to insulin and the gates no longer open to allow the transport of glucose from the bloodstream into the cells. This is known as insulin resistance. Chronic elevated glucose is toxic and will cause dangerous impacts in the body. And when glucose cannot enter the cell due to insulin resistance, it will become oxidized by free radicals. This damages the cell. This is cellular inflammation. This is what underlies many of the chronic illnesses we see today. 
cellular inflammation impacts all body tissues, such as the nerves, the brain, the eyes, the blood vessels, and the kidneys. Insulin resistance is the key player in the development of type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. Individuals who are insulin resistant and not yet diabetic are classified as suffering from metabolic syndrome. More than 120 million Americans, which is about one in three Americans, are affected by metabolic syndrome. More than 37 million Americans, which is about one in 10, have type 2 diabetes. Metabolic syndrome is also closely linked to obesity and other serious conditions such as hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. Other conditions associated with metabolic syndrome are fatty liver, polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, gallstones, and kidney disease. So this is a pretty serious issue. And what makes this condition so dangerous is that there are usually no immediate symptoms of insulin resistance. Abnormal cholesterol and high blood pressure may not even cause any symptoms until they become more advanced. The body has to do something with this extra glucose, which cannot be used for energy. Therefore, it will be converted to visceral fat, which is fat around the organs, and subcutaneous fat, which is fat under the skin. So it's typically the extra fat that is gained around the waist and the weight loss resistance that gets a person's attention. Another early warning sign of insulin resistance is extreme fatigue, especially after a high-carbohydrate meal. This occurs because energy is now being put into the biochemical process of lipogenesis, which is the fat production. And other early signs of insulin resistance include sugar cravings, chronic joint pain, sleep trouble, and frequent headaches. Now, these action steps I'm about to recommend revolve around removing the barriers to healing and restoring the building blocks of our bodies, which are our cells. These steps I'm about to share have worked for me personally and for a majority of my patients. My first, and I believe the most important recommendation, is that you invest in a thorough health assessment that includes a comprehensive blood chemistry panel to measure your degree of insulin resistance. Because there are typically no early symptoms, blood work will let you know how your body is functioning metabolically. A comprehensive assessment is necessary along with a thorough health history and physical examination to provide a vivid picture of what is really going on in the body and what you can do to fix it. And when you understand the cause of the problem, you can fix the problem. I have administered this type of evaluation to new patients during their initial stages of care to learn more about their states of health and sources of illness. The blood chemistry analysis will identify particular imbalances and abnormalities. Very few medical doctors will order these types of tests and oftentimes will diagnose in theory based on the symptoms you provide them. So why isn't more comprehensive testing done in doctors' offices? Let me put it this way. For some time now, there has been a decline in the quality of health care in the United States in which profit takes priority over comprehensive health examinations. 
This is largely due to managed health care and HMO programs. The current model used by these programs is more or less a disease management system, whereas the comprehensive blood chemistry panel provides early detection and often prevention of disease and illness. Comprehensive blood testing is considered unnecessary under their guidelines and is therefore not covered. This is why the use of comprehensive blood testing is non-existent, which oftentimes lead to overlooked or misdiagnosed illnesses and diseases. Lab results also establish a baseline and provide the information needed to determine the severity of your condition and some insight on the underlying cause of your health problems. They are also used as a tool to determine your degree of inflammation and assist in preparing your treatment program specifically designed for your healthcare needs. Understanding exactly what is going on in your body will outline the steps that are required to get you well. And I would love to help you do this. So I encourage you to schedule a consultation with me and you will find the link in the show notes to schedule a 45-minute breakthrough call. The next step I recommend is keeping a daily journal, logging your food and beverages. The purpose of this journal is to become more aware of your eating habits and how your body responds to them. Too many of us are eating in automatic mode and it becomes habitual. Some of us are not even aware of how much we are actually eating. And until you write it down, you will not be completely aware of what and how much you are putting into your mouth. And as you keep your journal, note your habits. What do you recognize? Do you plan your meals or do you tend to eat on the run? Are you constantly snacking? What types of foods are you eating? Is your diet high in sugar and refined carbohydrates? Do you primarily eat at restaurants or dine at home? How's your water intake? Do you tend to hydrate with sodas and juices? Answer these types of questions as you review your diary and start to observe where you can make the most changes. You can also include how you feel, your sugar levels, or your blood pressure levels if needed. I have found this action to play a powerful role in the healing process. And the purpose of this journal is not to make you feel bad or guilty. It's to help you recognize where you need to make the most changes. The last thing I want to encourage is guilt and the need to be perfect. The journal is there to assist you in determining what areas you need to make those improvements. The next action you need to take is that you must change your dietary habits. You cannot eat what and when you want anymore. Your diet must promote cellular healing and reduce those dangerous insulin surges mainly caused by highly refined carbohydrates. Elevated blood sugar raises insulin levels. High insulin levels lead to excessive fat storage. Excessive fat storage leads to obesity. When insulin is high, fat and glycogen storage is turned on and fat burning is turned off. When insulin is low, fat and glycogen storage is turned off and fat burning is turned on. 
The reason why a low-carbohydrate diet is effective is because it includes foods that are low in sugar and refined grains and rich in fiber, healthy fats, and moderate protein. Food choices can include the following. Grass-fed beef, full-range poultry, wild game and wild fish, cultured dairy from grass-fed cows, fruits and vegetables, preferably organic and locally grown. It is also important to avoid the following foods, sugar and grains such as refined wheat, rice, and corn. Now this is just the beginning. I have a very comprehensive list in the food shopping guide and you will also find that resource in the show notes. Now just remember, it's not necessary to be 100% perfect to see results. It's about progress, not perfection. Choose what you can handle or afford and incorporate more into your life as you go. Reversing insulin resistance is a process. Be patient. As you continue to learn and understand your body during the journey, you will begin to create healthier habits over time. The more compliant and committed you are to the process, the more successful you will become. You have to evaluate your circumstances to determine which action steps you need to take. We all have different needs and they do vary from person to person. The next action step involves intermittent fasting. Fasting is the most powerful method to decrease insulin levels. There are various methods to the intermittent fasting approach, and I will cover these in more details in a future episode. All foods raise insulin, and every time you eat, you elevate insulin levels. Therefore, the best way to reduce insulin surges is to reduce the number of times you are eating during the day. When insulin remains low, the body switches to fat burning for energy. Now, many people don't know this, but glucose is not the preferred fuel of the body. Fat is. Fat is a cleaner form of energy than glucose, and you want your body to be an efficient fat burner, not a sugar burner. Now, if you've never tried intermittent fasting, it's best to start slow. So for starters, stop snacking throughout the day. Or you can skip breakfast. Many of you aren't even hungry in the morning, but you eat anyway. And if you do eat breakfast, it's typically high in carbs, such as donuts and cereal and oatmeal. Then eventually you can work up to fasting 18 to 24 hours, one to three times per week. I wouldn't recommend going beyond that without professional supervision, especially if you are taking any type of medication. I've incorporated intermittent fasting in my life and found it to be very beneficial in restoring my health. At first, I used to get lightheaded if I didn't eat every two hours, but now my body is an efficient fat burner and I can go many hours, even days, without needing to eat. Studies have shown that intermittent fasting not only extends your life, but also cause hormonal and metabolic changes that aid in weight loss and can ward off heart disease, diabetes, and even cancer. It also downregulates inflammation and helps with insulin sensitivity. And the last action step I will share with you today is to incorporate high-intensity training. This is the best type of workout for fat loss 
And the way you do this is work out at a high intensity, such as riding a stationary bike, running or fast walk, and do this for about 20 to 40 seconds, followed by 90 to 120 seconds of rest or low impact for recovery. And then you repeat this for four to eight cycles and you can adjust this according to your fitness levels. During high intensity, the body is burning stored sugar or glycogen and burns fat for the next 24 to 48 hours after the workout to replace those glycogen stores. This increases overall metabolism and turns the body from a sugar burner to a fat burner. Now, these are some general recommendations that may work for most of you. Once again, if you're interested in working with me to design a plan that will work for you, I encourage you to schedule that breakthrough call. That link is in the show notes. All right. So here is a quick recap of what was covered. Hormones are chemical messengers that regulate many biological functions. The hormone insulin regulates energy metabolism by controlling glucose levels in your body. An increase of glucose in the bloodstream stimulates the release of insulin. Insulin resistance happens when the cells become unresponsive to insulin and no longer allows glucose to enter the cells for energy. Metabolic syndrome is closely linked to obesity and other serious health conditions such as hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. And here are your key action steps. Invest in a thorough health assessment performed either by myself or another qualified health practitioner. Keep a daily journal to track your food and habits. Follow a low-carb diet. Fast intermittently. And incorporate high-intensity training in your workout routine. Well, that will be it for today, and I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. And until next time, go out there and achieve more freedom in your health and your life. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, seal the deal to heal by leaving a review, subscribing to the podcast, and sharing with a friend. Thanks again and we'll continue the journey next week.